Gems. Welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Kelly Brennan about working with e-commerce. She is a Sitecore developer and Sitecore Commerce MVP. We talked about her experience finding jobs through World of Warcraft, uh, what problems the Sitecore Commerce platform solves in e-commerce, and the importance of soft skills for teams. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. I'm so, so glad that you're here. Thanks, Shelley. I'm really happy to be here as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, so let's just kind of jump right in and have you tell us your story of how you started in tech, how you ended up as a, you know, Sitecore MVP and all of that. Yeah, so it's a bit of a strange story. Um, as a kid, I was always really interested in computers, using them and, you know, eventually the internet. Um, it was still, you know, kind of new within my family circle and things growing up. And my mom was a little bit frightened by it. <laughs> so I think most parents of kids in the 90s were. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually, you know, I started getting more and more interested in it in school. Um, but ultimately, when it came to university, I decided I wanted to study economics and social sciences. Um, so did that for quite a while and um, eventually started working at a computer store and um, was doing more with hardware um, and started going to what we call TAFE in Australia, uh, which is like technical college or maybe like community college in the States, hmm. um, just kind of on the side um, doing computer hardware servicing and um, eventually realized I wasn't that interested in what I was going to uni for anymore. Um, and decided to make a change over to computer science. Um, and then I got my first job in tech actually uh, through World of Warcraft. <laughs> oh my God, are you serious? Yeah. I yeah, had no yeah, idea serious. you were into that. Oh, I'm so excited yeah. about this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a guild with um, somebody that I studied that I met in my Arabic class. <laughs> Um, and his um, high school friends had a small web development company and they were looking to bring on like their first other employee. Um, so I went in for an interview thinking there's no way on earth I'm going to get this job. I've been studying computer science for six months. Um, like, and I did and started out just doing HTML, CSS. Um, and then, you know, one afternoon, my boss was like, I'm going to head out for the afternoon. Can you try and figure out what's going on with this page? I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure. I'm like, this is an ASPX page. Like, what is that? <laughs> so I uh, then found out what .NET was and um, started doing, you know, more ASP, um, ASPX web forms work. And then eventually got my next job also through World of Warcraft, <laughs> who was another person in my guild, worked for another company and they were looking for people. It was a streaming video company, um, again, back in Sydney. And so, yeah, I started there and eventually kept moving. And my next job was actually with Sitecore, um, although I had not heard of it when asked about it in my interview. Oh, same. So, you know, do you know Sitecore? And I was like, no, but I know CMSs. Um, I've been working on a CMS. I've been working with like a, you know, a homegrown CMS um, and yeah, started work um, with a company called DT 
digital at the time and then now AKQA uh, and met some really amazing people working there and some really amazing Sitecore people. Um, and that's where I first kind of heard about the Sitecore MVP program. Um, and it was something that I really wanted um, to be able to, you know, get to that level. And that was kind of driving my, like, what I wanted to learn and how good I wanted to be at what I was doing. Um, and then when I left, um, when I left DT, I started working um, shortly after that for a company called Switch. Um, and, you know, shout out to the people at Switch IT back in Sydney, because I still love all the people there. It's a really great company. Um, and really the reason that I left was that I moved <laughs> to a different country. Um, but yeah, they were so supportive um, in, you know, wanting to become a Sitecore MVP. And that was actually, I think the first year where they really changed the rules around how you could apply to be an MVP versus it kind of going through your company sort of and being proposed that way. Um, which I think was a great move to really kind of open it up and um, encourage more people in what they were doing. Um, so I applied. Um, you still did need Sitecore nominations, like nominations from Sitecore employees. Um, but I was, you know, really lucky to work very closely with um, some of the Sitecore team in Australia. And that's kind of where it started. And I moved to the States and I'm um, onto my working with my second company over here. Um, and, you know, I think as well, um, EPEM has been a really great company to work for that's really supportive of what we do within the Sitecore community. And that helps uh, with becoming a Sitecore MVP. That's amazing. Yeah, that's my, my long drawn out story uh, <laughs> of how I got into Sitecore and how I got into techs kind of revolves around World of Warcraft. <laughs> that is so funny. So let's talk about World of Warcraft. I, I played it for, I started in 2000, I guess, six, and I, I stopped, you know, this past year. Um, I was just wondering, how do you feel about Blizzard's, you know, demise that's happening right now with them treating women so poorly? And there's this story that I, I talked about once on the show where their lactation room didn't have a lock so men would just go in there while a, a woman was lactating and like hang out. Yeah, I so honestly, I stopped playing World of Warcraft quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. And frankly, when the news came out about, you know, kind of their treatment towards employees, particularly women, I I have to admit, like, I wasn't surprised. Oh, God, me um, too. <laughs> the, the idea that their company culture could be so bad was... I think a, a lot of us working in tech have ex experienced similar things that you're just not surprised, yep. which is a horrible thing to say. And also that things haven't changed that much throughout the course of um, some of these companies. And do I hope that it's a big moment of change for them? Yeah. Do I doubt it's going to happen? Probably. Yeah, same. Um, which is really sad because... I mean, I enjoyed playing the game and I think the biggest part of what I enjoyed was actually like the community aspect of it in that I did, um, I was a member of a really good guild. Yeah, me too. That was a mix of people that knew each other from high school um, and friends of theirs that they'd met throughout their lives and a lot of like um, couples <laughs> playing as well. So That's cool. I think it made it a lot 
easier but you know when you started doing kind of like things for people that you didn't know and you were just like oh this is a thing that I hate about like playing online games and oh interacting pugs. with some people in that community so yeah yeah I hope that people take it as a a moment to to stop and think not just in tech but also you know in general and don't just randomly walk into rooms like in your office building like people deserve to have a safe space <laughs> yeah yeah that has been such a recurring term on my show and I've said it on other podcasts that I've been a guest on like safe space you know yeah. that is what people that's what everyone needs men and women we all need yeah. a safe space um yeah, but all all of the uh, Blizzard stuff, when it came out too, I was not surprised, but I had invested all of those years in a character. I, I played a gnome mage named Cinderella. Oh, I like yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. And I I felt like someone had died. Like I, I felt like, am I never going to? play this character again it was you know the first time that I sort of mourned the loss of a digital character that I had created yeah. like it was really strange but now I'm I'm kind of like yeah it you know it wasn't a great game for my mental health I was in tons of groups in raids and stuff where people were just total trash so this past year, I, along with, you know, millions and millions of people moved over to, uh, ooh, my stutter is going to come out today. Final Fantasy 14. Okay. Yeah. And um, holy crap, that community is amazing. They're like the polar opposite of the toxicity in, in wow. Like people have helped me. People have gone out of their way to help me. I, <laughs> I played a healer for a while and, um, you know, I was really bad at it at first. And when I would go in, into instances with people, I was expecting, you know, you suck. I'm out of here. But they were just like, can we give you some tips? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really good kind of like lead into some other topics about, you know, being, um, you know, being a woman in tech or even just starting out in tech in general um, totally. for a lot of us. And I think on both sides, it's, you know, one, we need to learn how to be more patient with people. And it's definitely like, I'm not a very patient person. Um, at least I feel like I'm not. Sometimes people tell me I am and I'm like, do you know me? Like, are we having different interactions? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, learning to more, be more patient with people, you know, as you get more senior and you're dealing with junior people to just really understand that and remember that you were in that situation once where you didn't know anything. And I, I definitely was <laughs> and kind of thrown in and just being able to support people rather than just, you know, blow them off or push right. things away or, you know, in some cases, like you can just take it away yourself and just be like, okay, this is too hard. We've got a deadline. Let's do it. Like I'm going to do it. Um, and yeah. so I think that, you know, and just, you know, giving people support um, and support to, to learn and grow. And I, I think it's really, really important. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that um, I've, I've actually had this talk with uh, 
a number of people lately about soft skills for devs. Um, and I am, I'm currently <laughs> creating a uh, Pluralsight channel, just listing all, all of the courses I took, you know, um, on, you know, empathy, um, emotional intelligence is a huge one. There are tons of courses on that. And patience, I think in my life, especially if I stutter, if I block or something, you know, I'll, I'll pause a long time or it's, it's not a long time, but I think the average is about 10 seconds before I see the person become very uncomfortable. And that's patience, honestly, like you have to learn patience in order to just let people exist around you. You know, like we're all on our own journey. Um, yeah, but really, um, soft skills will really help because the time is over where people, you know, expected devs to be like men, white men that live in their mom's basement or something like that. Um, it's I just was like watching Jurassic Park the other day and I'm just like, <laughs> right. Cringe. <laughs> yeah. At least the beginning, then they get, you know, the, the young girl like saves the day. So. Oh my God. And she's like hacking. She was yes. just navigating the operating system. That's not hacking. That's just using the freaking computer. <laughs> figuring it out but still yeah I I loved that story I mean it's nice to still have some representation uh, I yes. know I um I did you watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist I did not but people have okay. said like I should at the beginning I was just like oh dear god like what are they doing um because she was like a coder and quite frankly like I, I don't think I've ever referred to myself as a coder it seems like a an object job title it's kind mm -hmm. of like one of my responsibilities but it's not all I do um, yeah. as you said soft skills are important and probably take up a lot more of um, our jobs nowadays uh, but yeah it turned into like a really really fun show and showed a lot of dynamics about you know kind of startup culture um, and also you know what it's like to work in some tech environments that are not just you know not really diverse in um in gender but also in um you know racial diversity and things like that um within the tech industry so it got yeah. quite deep unfortunately I think they cancelled it they had a holiday special over on Roku um but I, I'm still hoping there might be an next season I really enjoyed it and cool, it's like yeah. a musical as well oh so. my god are you serious how have I yeah. never watched this yeah you've got to watch it <laughs> yeah this reminds me of in college like I was studying computer science and people you know very quickly find out that I love Disney I had never seen Tron and somebody was like you are studying computer science and you've never seen Tron and you're a gamer like go watch this <laughs> you know and now it's like one of my favorite movies ever you know like I've only I watched the yeah. new like the newer no, ones I haven't watched the old one so yeah. maybe I've got to go do that as well then <laughs> the original one like the villain okay. is the master control program the MCP and I was just like yeah <laughs> I'm all in <laughs> all right I'm gonna have to give that a go then too <laughs> yeah absolutely um yeah so back to tech and stuff <laughs> 
I'm sorry. This, <laughs> you know, it's a podcast. It we go off on tangents and stuff. It's I'm okay. It's no one how cares. I am in general. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah. So you are actually a Psychor uh, Commerce MVP. I know very little about Psychor Commerce <laughs> or e-commerce in general like I've never worked in e-commerce as a web developer which is really odd to me so tell me about e-commerce and how um Sitecore's product um solves problems for you yeah so Ultimately, you know, Sitecore or commerce as a product has evolved so much over the time that I first started working with it. Um, so when I was working with Switch, I started on, I think it was, you know, one of the first Sitecore or commerce implementations within the Asia Pacific region. And that was um, back, you know, shortly after they acquired Commerce Server. Um, so it was a very different product to what it is now. Um, and, you know, what Sitecore Experience Commerce is, and we can talk about um, <laughs> Sitecore's <laughs> other commerce offerings after. Um, but yeah, it was a very different pro product um, and essentially like a very different way of working with Sitecore. So coming from, you know, Sitecore um, XP to, um, to Sitecore Commerce was a huge change. It's a, it was a very, very uh, user interface, but in a web, uh, a Windows form application hmm. it was um yeah so there was a lot of like how is this going to work how are we going to interact you know our front-end application with commerce server um and a lot of people have very negative feelings about commerce server i quite you know you get used you get like any piece of technology you get used to working with it and with that experience comes a lot more understanding um and then you know when sitecore commerce changed and it became a hybrid um commerce server and then the new experience commerce platform um it was like another shift and we were starting to work with .NET core uh within sitecore which you know at the time and i can't even remember when that was i feel like it was 2017 wow um it was it was a it was one of the first um sitecore kind of products and part of their platform to move towards .NET Core. I think publishing service might've been the first. Um, but yeah, it was an entirely different way of working with Sitecore. Um, you know, even things like the idea of a pipeline changed. Like we have our pipelines in, you know, that we define in web, you know, configs and Sitecore XP was very different to that. Um, and with that, in a way you kind of, lost some of the flexibility that you had with commerce server and then into moving into a way though that thankfully was easier to integrate with and I think that shift then when the product went fully x um, into xc in that kind of um, .NET core um, microservices based architecture it really kind of changed how we were thinking about integrating um, commerce with Sitecore, um, how thinking about how we could extend the platform and I think it it was really that extensibility um, that had a really good benefit towards solving problems with e-commerce uh, and Sitecore. And then, you know, when they purchased uh, 451 and acquired, you know, the order cloud uh, platform as well, uh, if you haven't used it, it's actually like, 
it's very like refreshing <laughs> coming from XC where, you know, integrations, whilst the platform was built to uh, be able to, you could integrate with it and it did have the idea of plugins and things like that. It wasn't, um, it wasn't executed in a way that was similar to what we're kind of seeing now for extensibility in SaaS platforms and things like that. So the idea of, you know, webhooks wasn't there. Um, could you do it? Yes, you could. Um, you could implement that, but it wasn't necessarily the same extensibility options that we see. We saw with Content Hub, and but thankfully now we're getting that with WaterCloud. Um, also, the documentation is you know fantastic. You can have a sandbox. You can just go and sign up and get a sandbox and start playing around. Um, mm -hmm. I went through a fun process of doing like a POC of um, integrating EPAMS headless commerce accelerator uh, with order cloud um, which I presented on its symposium last year with my uh, oh yeah I watched that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was fun and I think that it was really like you I also love um, that if you I had a problem like I'm like I can't figure out why this is not working I go into the Sitecore Slack into the order cloud channel and you can be like, I can't figure out why this is not working and order cloud support will respond to you. Um, That's amazing. And, help you. and I'm just like, it is one of the best things ever. <laughs> Absolutely. But what order cloud also has is a very, um, like the capabilities for B2B are a lot stronger um, than they have been in previous um, Sitecore commerce kind of um, products. Um, so that's fantastic. So it also allows you to do, you know, B2C still, um, but also marketplace and B2B uh, a lot easier and with less customizations. And because of um, its integration options, you know, getting that kind of full enterprise implementation. So looking at like, you know, master data management and ERP and um, PIM and kind of reaching out and customizing prices from various sources. Um, which is important for B2B is a lot easier to accomplish than um, it has been with kind of other iterations. Um, so I think from a what can it offer for a business, um, definitely that, um, you know, kind of a modern uh, API first development approach, uh, the integration options, uh, you know, documentation and support, I think is something that we don't always think about as much, mm -hmm. um, but are, you know, tremendously important. And I think for the order cloud product, it's, it's definitely there. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm just remembering like <laughs> commerce was purchased, I think in like 2013 ish. Um, I was supposed to write <laughs> training for it. So I started to study it and stuff, but the product wasn't like ready yet, I guess. Um, but yeah, like I just dusted the cobwebs off of my brain and was like, oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about all server. this. Yeah. We have and, kind of forgotten about the commerce server era. era yeah. <laughs> Originally. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear it's, it's improved. Um, I also was going to say, oh yeah, and I am also remembering that I do have experience in e-commerce, like sort of. I implemented a a PayPal button on a web page that was um, classic ASP. I think is kind of where I yeah. 
started and uh, Dreamweaver, you know, as my IDE. Um, but yeah, that brings back a lot of memories of uh, not having source control and trying to work on a team <laughs> and having somebody like overwrite your mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> Just storing code on network drives. And oh my God. Yeah. Then you started using SVN and you're like, whoa, what yeah. is this? And then you're like, Git, and you're like, what just happened? Like, oh my God. have I gone back to, like, I don't understand anything yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm so, yeah. so thankful that we have good source control now. Yeah. But I also think like you were saying, oh, I've only done a little bit of e-commerce, but even doing things like implementing PayPal buttons does teach you about that payment processing yep. flow um, and, you know, the importance of of security and making sure that you're kind of following the correct process there because um, yep. there are a lot of complexities around payment processing and especially now everybody wants to be able to pay with paypal by their credit card you know with google pay with apple pay yeah and how can you manage all of that and I, so yeah it, it yeah. definitely counts <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot and i i i remember um I felt surprised that it was so easy. They literally were just like, here's your HTML and your JSS, just put it on your site. And it like just worked. But then again, I, I it like wasn't a cart type, you know, yeah. situation. It was one um, product, you know? Yeah. yeah. So That's I'm very... assuming with carts, it's harder. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's it. There's varying degrees of e-commerce and varying degrees of like automation, I guess, around that, like, you know, inventory management is something entirely different. Like, do you need to only sell things that you have? Like, do you want to do pre-orders? Do you want to do back orders? And like every little option just like goes, <laughs> and then you're just like, yeah, like, do I want to automatically you know, I need to do inventory. I need to ship to multiple warehouses. I need to drop ship. It just like, yeah, incrementally, like each thing that you add just like kind of is that multiplier. Absolutely. Complexity. Yeah. yeah so E-commerce can be big and small. <laughs> Very true. I can't even imagine the complexity of something like commerce, like just, you know, having a whole cart of products. I mean, you know, I, I'm a Amazon person, like a lot of us are, unfortunately. Um, but their entire setup is so smooth and seamless. And I, I feel like it has really standardized like what, what e-commerce experience should be to the should user. Should be is yeah. kind of the keyword there. And mm -hmm. I think we talk about it a lot that you know, people's expectations, especially, you know, with two day, one day, same day yeah. shipping have really changed how, what they expect out of e-commerce um, and also free shipping. So people forget that you do actually pay, technically you pay for Prime. You so, do. And it's a lot um, now. <laughs> yeah. Like 130 something. Yes. Um, so they're like, oh my God, I have to pay $5 for shipping. And you're like, you pay for Prime. Yeah, um, we, we forget it. I think their model of like charging you kind of upfront um, yeah. and then giving you free shipping uh, definitely 
helps um, people just kind of click add to cart, add to cart. Yeah. And I will say, you know, Amazon isn't always the cheapest place to buy things. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you have to check. And I've, I've also seen scams as well, you know, um, occasionally it isn't as much as it used to be, but yeah, it's still out there, which is a shame. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, um, tech leadership. You are a tech lead, right? I think. I'm a solution Sorry. architect over at EPAM, Okay, but yeah. <laughs> You've had experience <laughs> and I mean, a solution architect still is leading teams pretty much and, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's just, um, more like specialized, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing you know, more kind of high level architecture and less like, you know, day to day um, kind of, you know, leadership and coordination of the team. And I think every company kind of does it a little bit different um, because, you know, I have been a, a tech lead before and you're still kind of doing architecture. You're still, you know, designing, um, you know, the platform and the implementation. But I think, you know, to be a successful tech lead, I I definitely think the things that we touched on before, you know, about patience and um, just a willingness to help uh, definitely kind of impact how successful you can be there um, and how well that you can work with a team. Um, but also, I think overall for me in my career, one of the biggest things that I think has helped with my, my growth um, is really just being a willingness to learn um, and a desire to learn. And if you, if you want to learn, um, and you, you know, you've kind of developed a set of tools for how you do that, um, then you, you can do, all, you can do, I'm going to say you can do anything. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say almost anything. And I'm like, no. Um, and I, I kind of like to apply that across the board. You know, when I started out in Sitecore, as I mentioned, like I hadn't worked with Sitecore um, and we just started out, DT had just started their Sydney office. So we had I think one other person who had done their site core certification, but that was pretty much it. And, you know, you just, you've got to be able to have those resources um, to like, sorry, <laughs> you've got to be able to have that willingness and to be able to find and develop the resources that you need to, to do things. But after that, you know, I feel you, with so much constant change and even constant change within the site core offering, if you, don't want to learn um I mean you could still I'm sure you could still get by but I think if you want to be successful and you want your teams to be successful and your customers to be successful then you've got to want to be able to learn and be willing to to learn new things and to try out new ideas um and it's funny one of my colleagues um I we started out working on the same project together at EPAM and we couldn't be more different in our approaches um here's my like and we've worked together on subsequent projects and said and he's like the the very careful he will take a backup and take a backup of the backup and before he does things and like will you know save the code file I'm like it's in git like come on yeah. like it's in source control but he'll save it if we're making major changes i'm like a bull in a china store i'll just go in <laughs> like break things and then be like okay let's let's get it back together <laughs> Um, and we just had these like two opposing um, ways of doing things. And I think it's, it's kind of funny because we offset 
each other at times where I needed like a little bit of reining in. Um, he would be like, he would be there to rein me in in times where I'm like, let's do it, let's do it. He's, um, he's you know, I could encourage him to be able to kind of take some um, more risk. I say, I don't think they were risky moves, <laughs> like deleting a file. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've been there. I've deleted like branches by accident before, which is why I'm, I'm a lot like the guy that you just described. Like I, I would take backups of, of code, even though it was stored in Git yeah. because I had done some stuff. There's a website out there. Anyone that's listening, it is called, Oh shit, Git. And it just kind of lists some of the no-nos and what you should do instead. It's fantastic. A coworker oh. sent it to me after I did that. And he was like, this isn't a joke. Like I'm, I'm trying to help you. I, I understand what happened and yeah. it's okay. Just here's the site for your reference later. I think that's the thing as well, though, that, you know, at times, I mean, we like to forget our mistakes sometimes, but we've yeah. all made them. Like, I don't think anyone's gone through their entire career without deleting something that they should have deleted, whether yeah. that's, you know, a Git branch or in my case, um, forgetting a, a, you know, the select clause in a, you know, the where clause in yeah. a delete statement in SQL. Um, and I think one of the funny things, did you, um, did you get or see the things about the HBO, I think it was HBO Max email that like some junior yes. developer accidentally sent oh out? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and the, the instant response, I saw, I knew. <laughs> yeah. But also the response, you know, on kind of Twitter and in the development community of like, we've all been there. We've all done that. Like, you've got to just let, like, let it go, move on. Everyone makes mistakes. Um, it's about, I think, you know, being accountable for the mistakes that you've made. And, you know, I think often we try to explain things and justify things. But in the end, like, you know, sometimes we make mistakes. And I think admitting, that we've made them and, you know, learning from mistakes and also like how to mitigate um, some of that risk is also really, really important and important when you're leading teams as well. Absolutely. I actually made that exact same mistake that that person did once. I I worked at a um, online school and I was, I was working on you know, marketing stuff. And I was testing out the HTML of the newsletter and I accidentally did it in production and the marketing manager like yelled at me and she was just like really angry, but like, it didn't say anything bad. My test text was a dream as a wish your heart makes. So that went out to a whole bunch of students, parents, who cares, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like also brings up another thing like be careful with your test content people yeah because uh, at some point you will accidentally send something and or you will accidentally publish something um so be careful with what you're putting there and try and like use something like you don't want to be too realistic but you don't want to be complete gobbledygook either <laughs> gobbledygook i love that i have worked in um health care a lot. And so one of the sites I, I led, um, one of the people on the team, her, her test page was about breast cancer and it had like an, an image of, of what's in the breast and everything. And the rest of us were just kind of like, we should, we should pick something else. You know, this is, this is weird. It's making us uncomfortable. Um, 
but I mean, there were a ton of ailments to choose from. I chose asthma because I have asthma. So it was, you know, educational content that I could learn from while I was testing yeah. my features. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about women in technical positions. What, um, what support is needed for us to be uh, successful? Yeah, and it's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, I made a transition from what we call delivery in EPAM, uh, you know, working on client projects and kind of doing, seeing it from sort of the beginning to the end over to our digital consulting team, uh, which does, you know, consulting engagements and pre-sales um, and things like that. So I've kind of moved a little bit away, but I still get to do technical things. So I feel like it's the best of both worlds because mm -hmm. if my bull in a china shop analogy didn't give it, like I like change, I like, you know, frequent challenges. Um, so I think part of it, you know, to be successful first, you've got to sort of understand what you want um, and whether that's that you want constant change, you want stability, you want to be able to, you know, finish up at, at five or four or six or whatever and, you know, be out playing with your kids or something like that. I think you've got to understand what you want and what you want to prioritise. Um, and you can work to find a position that really suits what you want and what you want to get out of your career and your life. And for instance, you know, I think Shelly, that's something that, you know, I really admire about what you've done in developing mm. kind of developing what you want to do and just, you know, really blazing forward with that. Um, and yeah, so I think the first thing is like, you've got to kind of and you don't need to know everything. You don't have to have all of the answers, but just something guiding that you're either working towards something or you're working towards trying to figure out what you want and like trying new things um, and really being open with that and being open with your, with your managers and with the people that are supporting you um, or with your mentors to find, to have them on the lookout for opportunities that might suit you as well. That's and amazing. whether, because otherwise you're going to get stuck in something that you don't enjoy and you're not going to know what else is out there for you, mm -hmm. I think. And there, there are plenty of opportunities, especially within the, you know, the market at the moment, there are plenty of opportunities out there. Um, and you can also create your own opportunities as well. I'm not really brave enough to do that. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, oddly enough, I will go in break code, no problems, but otherwise uh, I like a level of security there. <laughs> yeah. But I think that and really just having outside of work, like a very, you know, a supportive environment for yourself. Um, whilst we get caught up in work, it's not our entire lives. <laughs> and having, having hobbies, having, you know, a supportive partner and children and things are incredibly important um, and making sure that you're on the same page with everybody around, like those expectations of, you know, what you want and what they want. Um, so it's kind of funny, the things are not really tech specific. I think they kind of work anywhere. And the other thing I think is that, you need to support other people too. Mm -hmm. um, whilst, you know, we touched on it that we weren't surprised by some of the things that have happened uh, within the tech industry, 
I would say within business in general, some of the stuff I don't find at all surprising. Um, it's overwhelming at times that we're still within this environment that can be um, unfriendly towards being diverse. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's kind of tough, but I think that we've got to be able to support um, the people around us as well and try to make change where we can. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of us kind of start out wanting to make big changes and wanting to really, um, really, I don't feel like I'm explaining it well, but we want to make big changes and then we kind of get beaten down a bit by our inability to, to make movement. And I think accepting that you can't always change things. Yeah. And sometimes you've just got to leave. Um, yes. <laughs> and being... And some people see that as like failure or quitting, whatever. Um, but sometimes you just got to leave, got to support people. And as you mentioned, you know, even things that feel small, small like not playing World of Warcraft and not paying that subscription fee to a company um, can make a difference to how they um, continue on in the future. So if it's like you're leaving a job and if somebody asks you, like, how was it working there? Maybe you have to be honest uh, to that mm -hmm. degree. I think an openness towards work environment um, and things like salary and compensation, um, talking about that more will definitely impact how companies uh, operate um, in the future because people are less likely to want to put up with some of the things that historically we have. Um, so, you know, what services and what accommodations do they provide for women? Do they have, you know, a safe space for returning mothers? Do they offer maternity leave? Do they offer parental leave? Like um, all of those things, I think, will feed more and more into what people are looking for in a company. Um, and I think that historically the tech industry has kind of had a given an impression that they are very... Um, very modern and very like, you know, oh, we don't wear suits and you can, we, we have open plan offices and we feed you and um, all of this weird stuff. But I think that I say weird, I didn't, it's not really weird. <laughs> it's, it's just stuff. different. Yeah. But um, it's, it's not all that's there. It's not just the, you know, the big name, you know, the big tech name that is why you want to work there. I think the, the corporate culture, um, and accountability for um, the businesses that we work with and the businesses that we do business with are, are important. Absolutely. You touched on something that is so close to my heart. Sometimes you just have to leave. You know, it's not a failure. If you take yourself out of a toxic situation it, that you can't change, that is not a failure. You know, I, I hung on to so many jobs you know, the story of a light maker, how they, oh, oh no. Is that like the printer thing or am no, I? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> it was a uh, site core partner that I, I worked for, for maybe like a year or two. And I like the people, I, I loved the people. It was amazing, but I noticed that more and more executives started leaving, you know, the, the site core people started leaving. And then one day 
they called a staff meeting the day before payroll. And I said to myself, I'll bet they can't pay us. I don't know how I knew. I've just worked for so many shitty places that, and that's what happened. They called us all into this meeting and we're just like, we can't run payroll tomorrow. And people were crying and whatever. I, I stayed until their very last day of operation. Why? Why did I do that? I mean, <laughs> we feel this weird sense of loyalty to people and companies sometimes. And I think you start out by feeling loyalty to people. Like you work with, you know, your manager, with your coworkers, and it feels like that it's a team. Um, but at the end of the day, businesses are trying to make money. Um, and yeah, I think that you go through those situations and I've been through similar ones where, yeah, you just, you're like, why did I, why did I put up with this for so long? And it can be as simple as not getting paid on time or, and like constantly on time. And I think, you know, we kind of saw it that like, you know, in 2020 and things, people were like, oh, well, you should have at, at least like six months worth of salary saved I up. Didn't. And I'm like, <laughs> really like if you don't but somehow businesses would you know yeah needed bailouts but um anyway we won't go into that (laughs) because but yeah I mean I think looking after your employees and making sure that you are not trying to operate whilst financially insolvent is probably a really pro business move (laughs) they were completely insolvent and to tell us the day before payroll was just the worst but I I always tell people like I think that I stayed because I didn't have savings at the time it in my career I've had like 20 two plus jobs. I, I change jobs on an average of like once a year, you know? Um, so I didn't want to look for another job and I, I knew that I would be paid eventually. And I was, um, but it's still like, I, I should have been interviewing confidence thing as well. It, It truly is. And I, um, actually I am at the end of this month, I'm hitting four years with EPAM and I was looking at my LinkedIn the other day and I'm just like (laughs) all my other engagements are like max kind of two years and then I had you know a six month and a year and I'm just like wow like yeah because I think there's a couple of things that feed into that one is historically in my career um, before my current job that was how you got an increase in pay you moved um so that was the the big one for me and I will say like I actually had a lot of luck you know my first two jobs for instance were kind of on connections well obviously on connections um so I didn't feel as much pressure with the interview process but once I started getting out there it was like every time you kind of like you're interviewing and inside you're like I'm not going to get this job and so I think having the confidence and kind of inspiring that confidence in people um because you forget like how how good you are and you kind of get stuck in that you might have some bad moments at work or that you know you're you're thinking about leaving because you know you're you want to get paid more and you're like well they're not paying me this why would somebody else pay me this um or you know the projects that you're working on you're 
feeling like aren't going well and you want to kind of be in a more positive situation, but you generally don't leave for like good reasons. <laughs> Except when I left Switch, I left because I moved to America. I wouldn't yeah. have left otherwise. Um, <laughs> if you can't tell, I still feel really fondly about that company. Um, good. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think it's a big thing. And I think it's definitely a big thing within, um, you know, women in general, um, mm-hmm. that we're not really feeling confident when we're moving jobs or wanting to move jobs or, you know, you've got a routine set up and you don't yeah. want to like change that. I mean, yeah. And financially, yeah. I think it's a big thing. Like if, you know, it's also very demoralizing when you find out that like coworkers doing the same thing as you are getting paid more than oh my you. God, totally. And you're just like, and then, yes, I mean, I've definitely been in that situation, ask for a pay rise, be told no. And then you're like, okay, now I really have to like, <laughs> now mm-hmm. I really have to, to go. And yeah, it's just, I think, as you said, sometimes you've got to leave. There's definitely jobs out there and you're definitely, you, you know, you're most likely worth way more than what you think you are. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I also tell people all of the time have savings you know like i i didn't really have good savings until 2020 the reason i i can work on my own is because i have savings in case this goes sideways you know yeah. so when you are in a job you hate i was never in a position to just quit immediately. I I would always agonize over it for like months and months and sometimes years actually with with my last job. I I knew early on, I have outgrown this position. I'm not, you know, interested in coding for hire anymore. Yeah. And I think that approach to finances is definitely something it's definitely something that we don't talk about as much either. And I know, you know, I grew up, um, you know, in a single, uh, a single parent household um, for most of my life. I mean, you know, from after I left primary school and, you know, it was like my mom working three jobs to make sure that we had the opportunities that we did. And, but you're still constantly like living, living on the brink. And there's a lot of things that, um, that we don't kind of, that we don't always kind of see that that approach to money can go either way. Like sometimes it can go, people are very, very conservative with their money. Sometimes it's like people are kind of used to living like that. And so talking about um, finances and I will say, you know, I um, definitely in you know 2019 2020 was a change to to how most people approach money I think as well and trying to have a little bit more of a a nest egg and the one thing that I found is that you kind of sometimes it can be you want to have x amount and if you don't have that amount then it's always sad to see your savings account with hundred dollars in there you're like I'm never going to I'm never going to experience financial freedom in that and I think it's you know it's kind of starting somewhere and just if you always put that a hundred dollars in then it can grow um but definitely I understand that sometimes you need all of that money um and we either talk about 
you know, people, you know, you have to have savings, you have to have all of this, or, and we less talk about the people who are in that intermediate ground of saving is hard because you frequently do have those unexpected, um, those unexpected expenses that really kind of impact, um, impact your savings and your abilities. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a financial expert, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, yeah, I am same. definitely <laughs> trying to be, you know, more responsible with my money mm. and, um, you know, there's, there's life adjustments that come into that getting married and things like that. And how do you approach, um, money, you know, in a, in a marriage, um, that people should be more open to talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. On that note, we <laughs> have to wrap up unfortunately, but that was great advice. I agree a hundred percent with everything. Um, yeah. So to wrap up, uh, can you tell us where people can um, connect with you? Yeah. I'll, I'll say that one time without stuttering, okay. but go. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. I am, I think I'm KJNB on Twitter. Um, I do read a lot. I don't post as much. I'm more of a consumer. Um, a lurker. There. Yeah. I like to see what's going on. Um, and well, sometimes, um, you know, I like to reach out. I am always reading. Like I read your uh, tweet the other day, Shelly, <laughs> about <laughs> right. your, about your video. Um, yeah. So you can connect with me there. Um, also on I do have a blog that's at kjnb.com um, and I will be updating that more as I start to uh, go on my my next um, fun journey of learning more about PCM and Content Hub is going to be my next one. Nice. Um, so that's there as well. Um, but yeah, definitely feel free to reach out to me on either of those channels um, because yeah. I'm always there and always happy to hear from people. Um, nice. And also I am frequently on the, the women of Slack core Slack. Mm -hmm. um, so also, um, you know, reach out to, um, you can reach out to myself or even Shelly, if you need an invite, um, we can send that over as well. Um, we have a good community and I'm trying to, uh, I'm taking people off topic there every day too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so. great. Thank you so much, you know, <laughs> for your time. I, I enjoyed this one a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Shelly. I really enjoyed chatting too. And hopefully, um, you know, maybe at some point at the end of this year, we can see each other in person again. Oh my God. I, I would love that. Absolutely. If awesome. you would like to support us, please like subscribe and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments, what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and tech on social media. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.